I've, I've definitely hit that point from the past week of just like anytime I move more than just a minimum range of motion, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I bent down to like grab Coco's bowl and I was just like, hey. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 188 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the maker of new podcast pages. I'm Sam and I'm an artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is Beware Yeti Crate, 20 Grind Team. You gotta be real wary. There's Yetis in there. In that crate? Yeah. Wait, is, uh, it, a, is it a crate owned by a Yeti? or a- Yes, okay. and full of Yetis. Okay. It's a, sort of a Russian nesting doll of Yetis. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Also, before we get started, we have a warning. Profanity. There's going to be some. It's going to be in there. It's going to be much like a crate great. filled with Yetis. Uh, as soon as you pop that lid, you're covered in Yetis. Once mm-hmm. you pop, the profanity don't stop. Yeah. Uh, also, we would like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. You guys are keeping our, uh, you know... Keeping our, our mics hot. Keeping our mics. This mic is so hot right now. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we're, I got we're burned. just burning the the money in a fire in mm-hmm. the middle. It's it's you know that in our little our little painting of of what the podcast looks like. Yeah, yeah that's that fire that's in the middle. Money fire. That's the money fire. Yep. That's where it goes. Well, it's very cold here in St. Louis right now, so we need to. Actually, we, right now it's forty degrees, but in about twelve hours it's going to be nine degrees. Yes, it's so, a cold snap coming. That's going to be a thing. Yeah, and I think you know our original strategy was to just dump it in a hole. You know, mm-hmm. and the money hole. Yeah. But then uh, then it got too cold and then we had to. Yeah, some good combustible. Make do. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yep. So that's all coming from moneygrab.bscotch.net. Uh, if you'd like to donate to support the podcast in the future, get on over there and do that. Right, let's get on to the episode. Uh, first, let's talk about life. We are all three on, well, for starters, Adam and Sam, you guys are feeling better. You guys, yeah, you guys were I both. Think you can hear I think, it probably. I feel better that I'm, I think I'm no longer sick, but I'm still recovering from the mucus madness that I have been inflicted mucus with. Madness. So sort of parts of you feel better. Yeah. But other- I think it's, I'm sort of conceptually better, but not actually, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I think the disease is gone, but the damage it wrought is still there. Sort of psychologically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and physically. It's That's both. It's just, yeah. Yeah, I think I've been, t- I've been mostly fine that every so often I'll just cough like a, just a disgusting cough. Yeah. And I'm like, where? Where has this come those, from? Those real phlegmy it's ones? Just, yeah, it's just like stuck yeah. in there. Those are good though. I mean, you they know? are, but also they're so gross. They're also the worst. They're I'm gross, but it. it always feels like you're making progress. It does. You know? That's true. <laughs> you're like, I got true. something out. It's mm-hmm. good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so since we're all kind of on the mend, we've all started embarking on our own quests for gains. Mm-hmm. So Adam and Sam, you guys are doing Orange Theory. Yeah, I want to hear about this. Tell let's tell our people about this. What is it? Orange so, theory is a thing that you do when you just want to walk into a building and have somebody tell you what to do for an hour. Yep. And when, where the things that you're doing are mostly cardio. Yes. More specifically, it is an actual gym called yes. Orange Theory. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a pro it's a company called Orange Theory. I think so. A, I don't know. I don't know the difference between a, you know a company and a gym in this sort of context. But yeah, I don't know. I, I had some friends who had done it uh, here in St. Louis, and, and there's a bunch of locations I think nationwide. But they'd they'd recommended it, um, and I was really just looking for something new this year that sort of could bust up my usual routine because I noticed over the last six months that well, I had been you know exercising. It was very much the minimal effort sort where I was like. Walk in the gym, gym, throw something around for 20 minutes, and then be like, all right, peace. Like, oh, wow, that was enough. Um, and so most of my friends who had done this said, like, they said, yeah, it was, it's just the best workout I've gotten. So um, so I went and did their trial class and, yeah, got my ass whipped so hard 
and it was phenomenal. <laughs> and the whole way it works, like you get a heart rate monitor thing. And so you're just, they're basically measuring your, your actual, you know, effort over the course of the class. Your goal is to hit a certain number of minutes in a particular heart rate zone. Um, and the zone is the orange zone. The orange hence the zone. name of the, of the mm-hmm. thing. And the red zone, you die. Yeah. So you want to get into the red zone, they, they say, just, just be careful, you know, mm-hmm. take care Check of yourself. With your body. Check in with your body. The one I had on Saturday, I was in the red zone for like 25 of the 40 minutes. That's too many. It probably. was really very bad. <laughs> red theory. Not enjoy it. Red theory. That was a bad red, day. Red alert. Uh-huh. I think it's that yeah. one. Um, but it's super fun because the reason I think it's it's been good for me is, you know, we talked about, we talked about some coaching and some other techniques we've used to kind of get ahead in, in some of the, the professional stuff we're doing. But on the fitness side, I haven't actually had a uh, coach for something since, you know, high school or you know college cheerleading back in the day. And having someone just yell at you and tell you what you need to be doing is just the best yeah. because you have to think a, about it. You got another person imposing structure, mm-hmm. setting yeah. up the rules for what it means to succeed. And it's also different every time. So it's not yeah. boring. I mean, it is still boring because it's exercise, but it's not, it's not uh, predictably boring. It's boring for your mind, but exciting for your body. Yeah. yeah. It's maybe so, too exciting. Maybe so too exciting. I, I really enjoyed it because I think I came out of the workout and I wasn't, I wasn't mentally tired, which is what, actually had been happening when I would just go to the gym by myself. Because, of course, when you go to the gym by yourself, I'm tracking my lifts or whatever. You've got to make decisions. know what I'm doing, all this other stuff. And so then I could just just show up and then get my ass kicked for an hour. And it's – I just enjoy it a lot. It's very phenomenal. You just stumble in there completely disoriented, Mm -hmm. not knowing even what day of the week it is. And then I come out. And you've still got a plan. Very sweaty. Yeah. That's good. So I've been really enjoying it. And you guys have been doing it for how long? Just a couple weeks now. Three weeks or three or four weeks. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah, I so, miss all of last week though because I was, you know, a cesspool of yeah horrifying. This, bacterial uh, madness. this reminds me of CrossFit, mm-hmm. except yeah, it doesn't it's, it's have doesn't have the Olympic lifting. It's yeah, it well, it's, it's, pure, it's really just cardio. I mean, there's there's a there's a weight component, but it's like really focused on uh, you know a third of everyone or half of everyone is just running, and then a huge fraction is is rowing. rowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the rest is sort of mixing in some some weight stuff. Yeah, but. CrossFit is typically they'll they'll have a lifting or a strength training section of the day and then they go into the workout of the day which is like a combo. It's it's high intensity so it is cardio but there's also a lot of like squats and other things mixed yeah. in. So I and so, I've done CrossFit before but I think that the heavy weights actually I never liked about it because yeah, yeah. of the because of the time pressure um makes you feel like I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, it feels like <laughs> it basically just to me, it always felt like I was going to fuck it up and like actually hurt myself yeah. in a bad way. And I know that is relatively yeah. you know, common with. While I'm extremely fatigued and exactly. dying and, and yeah. sweaty and rushing as fast as I can, should I put 245 plates on a bar and then yeah, throw it maybe, onto my back? Maybe, maybe but maybe not. not, not you know, yeah. you, need, you need good supervision. Yeah. So yeah. I've, I've been enjoying that a lot. And I think as far as, you know, that idea of, again, of hitting 2019, hitting the grind, I was like, well, you know, I'm going to try something new and see if we can like jumpstart this aspect of what I've been doing for you know, yeah. a better part. Of yeah. Well, this is also, this is the first time for me that I decided to actually spend a bunch of money on, mm-hmm. on fitness. On Cause health. usually, usually I just do whatever is the cheapest, um, which means in the end, not doing you get anything. what you pay for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but having, having a thing where, you know, I mean, it makes sense that if you're going to, if you're going to pay for somebody else to be doing something and, and, uh, and having a trainer there telling you what to do, like you know, none of that stuff is cheap. And so I just finally decided I'm going to actually buy the bullet and just have that be a cost that I need to accept. Investment in yourself, Adam. It's going to save you a lot of money later. That's true. When your body would have otherwise started to completely fall apart. Well, it'll mostly save my insurance pool more money. um, (laughs) That's true. Later, which I think is, you know, it's a good ethical move, I think, is to bring the collective cost of healthcare down by investing. Because, you know, even if you're you're spending a hundred bucks a month, which is a lot, but if you're spending that much on a gym (laughs) membership, 
That's still way less than the cost of any of your healthcare related costs. Yeah, that's true. true. Way less. Mm-hmm. How you doing over there, Sam? I'm just starting coughing. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what Just happened. doing great. I apologize for me. I'll be leaving yeah. in and out. So, so my my journey was basically, I think, I, I think about a year and a half ago, I did like a hard quest for gains where I looked up a workout and I had a whole plan and stuff. And then in the meantime, I've been doing kind of like what you're talking about, Adam and Sam, which is like. Spend the minimum amount, you go, show to the, up. go to the gym like two or three times a week at most, but kind of arbitrarily. So not like with a specific agenda, just mm-hmm. kind of be there, do some stuff uh, and then leave. Yeah. But the problem with that is you always end up with a situation where you like, you always come up with a reason to be Get done. Yep. Yeah. Like, um, that, that seemed like enough. And then you just leave. But if you've got somebody there telling you what to do, then you do a lot more and it's way better for you. So I, I ended up looking up uh, – I found a 12-week workout program. I started that last week. Every piece of my body is falling off. <laughs> I'm in excruciating pain right now. Mm-hmm. So it's good. It's working. Yeah. So uh, I think it's just part of the 20 grind team, you know? Mm-hmm. Time to just uh, get get the work done. Uh, so otherwise, this past weekend, we did the Global Game Jam, except we didn't. Yeah. So we had talked about it on last podcast, um, and at the time we were planning on actually just making a new game and stuff. But – We've been making all these really interesting strides with Levelhead to the point where on Friday we were basically discussing, okay, you know, let's get get geared up. We're going to go do this thing, and then we we're like, we just want to, we just want to work on Levelhead for the mm-hmm. weekend. Well, um, yeah, with all the changes to our production process, mm-hmm. it's been a lot more satisfying working on the stuff in the studio in the yeah. sense that I think we all feel like we have a much better sense of much like the workout stuff. It's like. We have a much better structure in place, right. and we feel like we're working on the right things instead of just sort of like working. working. Yeah. So it's been a lot more enjoyable to do. It feels like we get much better results on a day-to-day basis that are much more future-proof and stuff. Um, so as normally, when a game jam would come around, we'd be like, oh, yeah, we get to take a break from you know the excruciating day-to-day of just being deep in the middle of this huge game project. Uh-huh. And I said, now we're all just so pumped to work on stuff. That we just decided. So we we all set some goals for the weekend. Mm-hmm. So what what were the goals? Yeah. So uh, in my case, it was we have we have this large single player campaign in Level Head, uh, which now has about sixty five levels in it. We don't how know. I don't know if there's going to be more whenever it actually you know. Hits well, there will have to be because it doesn't cover all the game modes. Yeah. Well, so I mean, there there will be more eventually. But as far as yeah, it's right, probably going to be eventually easily a hundred. Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, e- easily. I think so. Yeah. Um. And so I, those have been built for a while now. I built some more of them last week. Uh, but the the navigation by which you sort of, you know, go to all those different levels had been uh, basically some some really sketchy art for the better part of like a month or two. Uh, where I'd done, basically, I'd done the basic sketches and we had gray boxed them and got everything in, but they hadn't actually been finished. And so my whole thing over the weekend was to get all those done um, so that I could begin on this next big uh, chunk of art stuff I got to do. So I finished those out on uh Basically, on Sunday morning, was sort of finishing out the documentation and stuff for it so that Seth could get implemented. So that was really fun. And then I know, Adam, you got the podcast page yeah. done. Yeah, mine was all about be very happy <laughs> the podcast page. So that's been on my list for all of time. I guess. Uh, at least two years. Yeah. Uh, and, and I knew I just needed a good chunk of time to do it. And I also knew that I could do it probably in a day if I basically just recreated the old podcast page just on our new website. Um, but coming on the weekend, then I thought, why don't I just – fucking you've got it. the weekend yeah i forgot the whole weekend if i just throw the whole thing at it and so so i did it i, I remade it it's now live at beta.bscotch.net um 
slash so, podcast. Yeah, if, you, if you just land there, you'll see a podcast button yeah. so you can get there. Because we have a beta version of the site, which is where we put things that we're not sure how good and stable they are, mm-hmm. you know, so you can you can try it out there. Um, and uh, people have already put some questions in, um, and so it's all good to go. But So I made a, a custom player that auto-plays the next one, and you can change if it's, what chronology it's going in. It also uses Rumpus to save your progress, much like Crashlands uses B-Scotch ID. We've got cloud saving. We've got our cloud podcast. saving. Yeah. <laughs> so if you so, move from your desktop to your phone. Yep. Then, and you're still signed in with Rumpus. In. You'll just resume right on whatever yeah, episode. progress will carry with you. Yeah, you'll, you'll resume on the same episode at the same point in time. It's that butterscotch magic, folks. Yeah, and it'll Hashtag also, not giving a fuck. We'll just do <laughs> yeah. whatever we want. Do what we want. <laughs> uh, so it seems to work fine. I, I noticed uh, – today that it seems like weirdly slow to load new stuff um which is not my fault that's coming from our our host um and so i don't know Google maybe it. it's fine i don't know but if you just see like a bunch of zeros just hit the play button anyway and i think it's i think it's fine mm-hmm. uh but i'd love to get feedback on on what you think about it uh so hop into our discord and um, you'll find you'll find links on the podcast page for everything now mm-hmm. instead of having literally for the rest of time for this for this podcast we can now just say Go to the podcast page. Go to the podcast the page, page. And that would be Should we, everything. at the at net? should we spin up a uh, test or like a feedback section for Good. the podcast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. During these early stages. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we need to test that system also, the testing system. We need to test yeah, the testing system. Uh, you'll also see when you go to the beta website at, again, beta.bscotch.net, uh, there's a little little uh, sort of test tube icon uh, up in the little menu little bar. Beaker. Yeah. And so that takes you to the the – the tests page. Um, we call so, it the feedback. It's called the feedback. It's the area where people put their feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so one of the so there, there's currently one for the website in there right now. There's an open test for that. Uh, but I could, I guess, I just should then uh, go add one for the podcast. We as need well, a pod. So we need a pod sack. Yep. To put the podcast feedback. Yeah. In. So so I guess just uh, <laughs> I want I want to hear uh, how well it works or how how well it doesn't. And, well, I think uh, at the very least, you know, the people who sent us angry notes about not having a podcast page should now send some thank you notes to Adam yeah, for, for taking the weekend. <laughs> for fixing it. It was it a is, project. It was a big project. It was a big project. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's a hell of a lot better now. It's so much um, better. Than, like, yeah. And, it's since, close. and since it's on a modern system where now you can sign into Rumpus instead of like weirdly going over to the forums and yeah. signing in there yeah. and coming back. And yeah, and a lot of people it's like all integrated. in the past and, you know, it's all really weird. Also, yeah. who else has cross-play on their podcasts? No one. Cross-platform. Cross-platform. Get out of here. Just us. Oh, and on that note of uh, voting, we also decided, because I, so I, I re-implemented voting um, <laughs> on this thing, but we realized that we actually haven't used the voting system at all uh, for like – in recent memory um, where basically people have been upvoting stuff to the top and we still just answer just whatever we feel like. Um, and so we're sort of new policy moving forward, which is that we'll always answer the top voted thing mm-hmm. on every episode. Unless, Unless it's, it's a weirdly personal question. Yeah. Or Unless it's something other. that we just actively just do not want. So then to we'll answer. just go down to the next one. Yeah. Right. But yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll always, uh, we'll always go, go down the votes. Yeah. Uh, and answer the most the top voted appropriate question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> top voted appropriate question. Um, so yeah, so now that you have a now there's a good reason to vote instead of just because it's kind of fun. Uh, well, and we're adding a time expiration on the questions. Yeah, because in the in the previous podcast page we could you couldn't see how long ago questions were asked and questions never expired. So you'd end up going there and you'd see this huge pool of questions, mm-hmm. some of which are two years old, maybe you Probably. don't know. Um, and it was kind of discouraging because you think like I don't know if I want to ask my question. Now, because there's this list of 150 questions already, 
and mine's just going to be buried mm-hmm. at the bottom. So we, we kind of wanted to implement some stuff to keep it, keep it fresh, keep it fresh, keep it churning. Yep. Um, and so we're, yeah, we're setting a four week expiration for now and then we'll adjust that depending on just see know, what happens. volume of questions. Cause we want them to all be more relevant. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's all going to be, and when are we going to switch to that officially? Should we just do I it think soon? We're going to do it as, as soon as we know that it is generally working. Um, so it might even be by the time we air this episode no probably not because there won't be people using it um, okay I, I need i need feedback from actual just people who go out okay so use it, it this so. week and then hopefully next yeah, week play with it this it week uh give me some feedback and then i think the plan should be that at, for the next week's for the next episode um we'll we'll have that fully published and live so that it'll be switched <laughs> over um and but yeah you can go ahead and start migrating your questions over to you if you if you have old questions on on what is still podcast up these guys that will eventually change but if you have mm-hmm. Questions that are on there right now that you want to have, still want to have answered, go look, go find them, go find the ones that you like, and uh, and and repost them back in this new system. Reask, now don't reask other people's questions. That's a dick move. Uh-huh. Is, yeah. Don't be a don't dick. Be taking them. All right. Uh, yeah. So that's over at beta.bscash.net, and then podcast. just click on the podcast link, or yep. just go straight to beta.bscash.net slash podcast. Yep. All right, Seth. Tell us about your weekend. All right. So weekend. this weekend was. Uh, Partially, well, it was, it was largely a bug stomp. I was mm-hmm. like, I want to just fix as many bugs as possible. Well, let's talk about this from the production standpoint because we have this really interesting problem, which is in our to-do pile for Levelhead, there's over 200 things, okay? Yeah. There's also a backlog pile that has about 100 things in it, which yeah. we're just not worrying about right now. And then every week, or I guess between every production meeting, we add about uh, 50 things. We add about 50 things into the to-do pile. We do we about, also 50 do about 50 things. <laughs> Yep. And yep. so we're just sort of like it's this constant treadmill. We're in the state of tread. Yeah, we're in the state of development where the rate of the rate of discovery of new feature opportunities and discovery of bugs and the existing sort of backlog of just getting the work things done. to finish um, has kept us at an even two hundred to two hundred and fifty tasks yeah. for yeah. Months, months now. Yep. Uh, so that's kind of a thing. So, but the interesting <laughs> thing about it is that a, a huge chunk of them have been bugs, right? So we have these, we have these QA testers who come in every week and uh, or work a little bit remote, and they find just all sorts of weird stuff that you know we haven't seen yet. And so uh, this collection of bugs, which primarily are small things, or are sort of all maybe there's like ten bugs that are actually tied to one problem, System. right? Yeah. Um, and so there's been this just this stack of bugs that really, you know, when we're thinking about all these cards that we have to do, it'd be nice if we could just get. Like, if, how could we delete just a huge chunk of these? And so we said, all right, Seth, this week is extermination duty uh, for the weekend. How many can you kill over three yeah. days? And so part of it was was fixing what I would consider a local bug, which is something that's like maybe a variable name is mistyped and then it causes the game to crash. Or like something that's just clearly isolated, you know, to that one scenario. Those take five minutes to fix, very easy to test, you know, and you just fix it in that one spot and then it's fixed, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got those kinds of things that you're talking about, which are bugs that are that are all expressions of a, of a core problem in a, a system bug. In a game system, system. Yeah. yeah. And so so I wanted to make sure I took some time to fix those things. One of those one of those things was camera path. So in Levelhead, <laughs> we've got these, or we had this thing called a camera path where you could basically draw sort of like a line throughout your level and the camera would then move along that path instead of following the character. So you could make levels where the, the player had to keep up, you know, like those Mario levels where the you're in a dungeon and the camera keeps moving, yep. right? Except in our case, you could make the camera go anywhere you want. So you can make it go up, down, you can Backward. make it do a loop yep. or whatever. Um, 
there were a bunch of problems with that system. And we ended up with like six bug reports just about that. And so then Sam and I took a step back and we're like, how do we, can we not? Like, can we, can we make this, can we fix these bugs at the systems level, but also in a way that makes the system better? Because we had a bunch of gripes about the system uh, in and of itself. So we, we came up with this new concept called camera anchors. So we completely annihilated this camera path idea. And instead, we made a new thing called a camera anchor, which is a little invisible object that you can put in your level and you can turn it on and off and it'll grab the camera. And so you could put that thing on a path, and then you've got your sort of camera Same path. Things before, yeah. um, or you can use it to create cinematic scenarios. So, for example, you put one of these in the middle of like a little combat arena or something. Um, and then when the player gets in there, you turn the camera anchor on and then all of a sudden the camera's locked into this arena and now the player is like running around in there and fighting and it completely changes the feel of that aspect of the level. So we did that and we're just like, oh my God, this is a game changer. Uh, and then that opened up the next conversation, which is how do we like really take this idea of giving, giving players or I guess level builders, creators, um, giving creators more control over this sort of emotional experience in yeah. their levels. And so we're going to look into, we haven't done this yet. We're going to look into next doing uh, boom boxes mm-hmm. where it's like you attach a, a music soundtrack and then you can change the music in your level at, at certain moments. Um, and then also weather machines mm-hmm. where you can like turn on a sandstorm or something like that at, at a certain key moment in a level. Mm-hmm. So if you have like a really chill, like a chill ass part of your level, then all of a sudden you want the player to feel like everything's going sideways. You know, you can like kick the weather off. All of a sudden the, the camera starts moving on its own. A sandstorm starts up and then the, the song goes crazy, you know, and then the player's frantically trying to get through this thing. And at the end, the weather clears up, the music becomes super nice again. And then, you know, uh, so, so you'll, you'll be able to do those kinds of things. Some good cinematic experiences. Yeah. And, yeah. So I was playing around with that stuff and it was Already, even just with the basic camera anchor, it's amazing. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, and then we also added a playlist system, which is there was always something that felt like it was missing in Level Head, where you'd finish a level and then your only option was to quit, go quit back, or replay. Yeah, right? go back to the menu. Yeah, where, from which you found that. Yeah, level, so right? the way you get into the level is through uh, like a browser or if you go to somebody's profile and you look at their list of levels or something and you click it there, you know. Um, so you entered the level through a, a UI and then after you beat the level, you go back to a UI. And that always felt kind of, it felt like it was kind of hard to get into a good groove, mm-hmm. like a good cadence of gameplay because you play for a few minutes, then you're right back into decision-making mode where you're trying to figure out like, what do I do next, right? So what we did is we just added this simple concept just as like a, a stand-in, but it turned out to work great, which is uh, anytime you see a list of levels, anywhere, mm-hmm. anywhere in the game. So you might be like in the test lab, you might be looking at somebody's like levels that they have top scores on or looking at levels that somebody's published or whatever. Anywhere we show a list of levels, um, we also spawn a like a play all button at the top. You click that button and it'll auto download all the levels, turn them into a series, and then you play through the whole series. So, uh, and at the end of each level, you can just hit play next and it jumps, it just jumps you right into the next level. So now you go, instead of like two minutes of gameplay with two minutes of navigating menus, now it's just like you could play for 30 minutes at a stretch and yeah. play a great, you know, series of levels and try to beat them all. And it's just, 
It's a, it's a complete game changer. Well, I think it encourages because one of the things that's true about a, a about user generated content in a system like this is that there's actually no way for you to know what you want to play until you're already playing it. Yes. And so the whole idea that we give you all these decisions to make where you have like you can you can search and sort and you get a list and you, you can now decide which one of these do I want to play. Uh, the, you have no decision metrics available to you to actually make a good decision there. Yeah. So we've basically given you this like this almost this almost fake, very taxing decision that you have to make before you get to go play. Yeah, and you, then you literally every every play session. Yeah. And you literally can't evaluate. Like yeah. you can't evaluate looking at a level and being like, would I like this? Yeah. Because you haven't played it yet. The only way to know right. is to play it. And so so by by doing this, where now you can use the the filters and stuff where basically like where you are in the browser and what filters you set up give you then the kind of game where now that's where the decision should be is you you decide what are the general kind of metrics that I want to apply to that to my play session, right? But then you shouldn't have to make any decisions after that because you actually can't. Yeah. And so now that we've made it so you don't have to, where, where we still give you the illusion of choice by letting you still play a la carte if you want to, you can just, you know, go play specific levels. Um, but the convenience of it is very, very different. And I think this is going to lead to people playing a lot more levels. A lot. Like more. Way, way more levels. Which is now a new problem we have to solve, right? Because – because part of it is like band managing bandwidth costs and stuff like that. And and if if previously a large part of the game was this kind of awkward stumbling around through different interfaces and then finally deciding what to play after five minutes, kind of like being stuck on the Netflix homepage and right. just like looking around forever, right? Um, th- that time navigating those those homepages is actually good for Netflix in the sense that they're not streaming any videos at you at that time. And they're, and they're, not, and they're not paying out any of their, right. their money. So that's nice. But um, but then like when you go into – but then, of course what, what Netflix also knows is what we just learned as well, which is like when you're watching a show, at the end of each episode, you don't want to be like – they don't they don't kick you back to the homepage and mm-hmm. make you go find the next episode. They're just like next episode in five. Yeah, they even, four. yeah they count it down. Yeah, too. yeah. Which we were talking about maybe doing just for fun. Yeah, like why not? Yeah. Um, Chain them together. Yeah, just an autoplay, right? Mm-hmm. And so so that that's the kind of thing where now it's it's a different set of sort of optimization things that we have to figure out. But it but, puts the play in the right place. That's the thing. Yes. Yeah, like it, it's such a better experience. The game is not meant to be a menu browser. Yeah. It's meant to be a level player. So like, well, we do have to figure out how to treat it too because uh, unlike Netflix where if you watch if you watch a show, you don't want to immediately rewatch it because yeah. that would be ludicrous, yeah. right? But when it comes to to playing people's levels in, in Levelhead, a lot of what you're trying to do is, you know, get get a really good time, get a really high score, beat people on the scoreboard or whatever. And so we also want to encourage you to replay levels. Um, as much as we can, and so so things like an auto play next uh, actively discourages people from trying to do the best possible right. thing that they can do. On so there's a balance. To yeah, we have to kind of figure out how that's gonna how that's gonna behave. Yeah, and and this does this does kind of speak to one of the requests we've gotten from people is is the ability to chain levels together into some kind of a playlist. Mm-hmm. So now the game just does that inherently in every possible scenario. But we we still don't have any kinds of manual mechanisms for creating your own playlists, and that, that's something we've been wanting to do. It's currently not part of the plan, um, just because of basically like UI and UX uh, questions. Bit of a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's technically all fine. It's, it's easy. Just, like it's literally just a list. Yeah. Right. But then it's like, well, how do you manage how do you the make list? list? Where do you put it? How many do you can you store? Well, because what you can you look up other people's lists? Yeah. Can you, and the way that it would have to work is that you would basically have to have played levels to know if they're any good, mm-hmm. right? Before you could put them into your own playlist. And so 
So there would have to be some mechanism by which inside of a level you can say, cool, I want to you know bookmark this for potential future putting into a playlist or right. put it right into a playlist that already exists maybe. Or or maybe I just start a new playlist right now because I love this level and I make one and I name it. And then this is the first one that goes in there that you keep on adding. You know, I don't know. What, <laughs> yeah. what is it going to look like? It's a really weird UX problem. So it I don't is. know if we'll be tackling that yet. But we but we, I mean, we it, now so. yeah we now have the the baseline concept in there, yeah. um, so that that emerged out of this weekend of jamming, um, and then otherwise, uh, sure has been hard at work on this automatic build pipeline, mm-hmm. where uh, anytime we need to get the game into hands of like testers or or whatever, and this is also a problem with um, Crashlands and all of our older games, which is at a certain point after we're done developing them, we have to get give them to people like mm-hmm. we need to get them out into the market and uh right now our mechanisms for for doing that are manual like they're very cumbersome so if if there's a new uh like every november there's a new I, ios version right we have to make sure that crash is up and running um and so we have to like make a manual build and then do that whole process and it's very time intensive and uh we were kind of talking earlier this this year and then also toward the end of last year like with things like the epic store you got discord like you got all of a sudden there's a lot more potential market fragmentation and one of the strategies that a lot of studios will find useful going forward is coming up with ways to just get their game sort of shotgun approach right just get your game at to as many places as possible but then the cost of that is the testing and the deployment right if it takes you an hour to make a build and get it ready for for upload to a store and you're on 30 different stores, well, say goodbye to a full work week every time you want to you yep. want to get your game out and there. And most of the stores are not going to make you any money actually. Yeah. yeah but but it, it's yeah. all an ROI thing, right? So if it, if it takes you a few hours to to make an update put on a store, and then there's also going to be a feedback loop where for some reason something goes wrong on that store specifically, so you have to come back and fix it and then yeah. make a new batch. Um, so the, the cost of deployment to a new store, even if it's almost the same as another store, is is non-zero and can be very very high. It's I think it's something that people, especially in the indie scene, um, including us, haven't paid a lot of attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we kind of just like we just think, hey, just put your shit on everything because that's the that's you know the best way to do it. Put it on itch. Put it on. Put it on whatever. God, put it on. Yeah. Humble. But, but what we found is that some of the that we we have stores right. We have we have stores with with that Crashlands is on that actually just cost us more to manage builds on yep. than we make um, in return. And so. Uh, but but a lot of that has to do with because it's a it's a cost and return problem, right? Is our our costs are too high uh, because we don't it have takes too long to build the damn. It thing. takes too long to to make builds and and the process is not standardized is not standardized enough. It's not robust enough. There are too many places that errors can creep in, and there's not an automated you know QA component. And so so yeah, so the cost for us to deliver a build to a new to a, any platform is just is just too high. Yeah. So we set out we set out to start solving that problem. Of course, we can't solve the whole problem all at once um we need to kind of work our way toward it so the first the first phase of that is is the automatic build pipeline the idea being as we're working on a game at any point we could say hey i have finished up this set of features with a set of bug fixes it's time to deploy this to be tested and i should be able to just hit a button and then continue working and then just know that in the background whatever needs to happen to get the game into the hands of testers is now happening. Right? It's going to be automatic, so it's going to be the same every time you do it. And I don't need to set up my machine uniquely to make a build. Yeah, then, ideally, you, know, you could then just go home 
start continue working on the build, do the same thing, and then I don't need to customize. I don't need to set up anything on my home machine. Yep. You know anything? Yeah. And so we've we've got that. We've mm-hmm. got that part done now. And so we went from uh, our our previous process was about every Thursday I would take the last couple hours of the day and put together you know patch notes and a build for our testers and stuff, um, and then ship that off to them and and get the the QA test ready to go. And that was a, an expensive enough process that we were only we were deploying large patches with a large sweeping set of changes in them once a week, which meant that also the testers couldn't do anything past like Tuesday mm-hmm. because now the build is expired. It's old and day, the game yeah. has changed enough. Right. And now now all I have to do is I just I just basically push a, a code commit with a new version number and then boom, patch notes are automatically generated Build gets made, build gets auto deployed to the testers. I and it's on a different machine, so I don't need to like wait for my machine to be done churn like chugging yeah, away. So on now it. we push, I think we push what three builds on Saturday or something like that. Yeah, like we're doing like three builds a day. Yep, yeah, and, it's, so, and it costs nothing now. So, Phoenix Project for those who oh, yeah. read that book, <laughs> it's um, all about that DevOps. Yeah, it's all, yeah. It's all a big part of our developer ops. Yeah, that push. small batch. Is yeah, the, the, the idea that idea. if if a tester is like, oh, this thing is causing this com- this aspect of the game to just completely crash, we should be able to go no problem. And within ten minutes, they've got a, a new build that well, has been hot within fixed. within however long it takes to fix the problem. That's basically yeah. yeah. The idea is that whenever a problem comes up. As long as it takes to fix the problem is as long as it should take to get into the hands of the right. Of the well, and then the, the ten player. minutes to actually compile it. But yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's what I mean. Is that's yeah. the goal? The goal is that there should be that the only time taken to solve any problems in 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 building software is the is the mental time taken to solve the problem. Right. And everything after that, you're trying to tighten up and automate and make as fast as possible, um, so that whatever that time is left over, you just keep on cutting into. Yeah. You know, with uh, so automated deployment. So ideally. We, so our, our goal is to get this to a point where um, we're able to do things like, you know, maybe we had a new Crashlands thing happen. We want to deploy, like start testing it or whatever. We just push it out and then boom, it's in test flight on iOS. It's in a Google Play beta channel. It's on a Steam beta branch, you know, right. um, and we build in a good uh, like feedback collection system as well. That's all integrated into Rumpus or something like that. And so we can then rapidly deploy updates and hot fixes and stuff and get that into a really stable state really fast and then just get it out. Right. Um, and so far it's working. Mm-hmm. And I like I the, the amount of mental overhead that I've been able to clear out and just focus on development is already just ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how much better it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm super excited about that. So I'd say overall our game jam, we didn't make a game. But specifically yeah we, we made more game <laughs> we made more of a game mm-hmm. yeah um i'm feeling pretty good yeah. we got good big things ahead it's yeah excited. all right let's get on to some questions uh these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net um and actually the first question we're gonna answer comes from beta.bscotch.net mm-hmm. from the new podcast page and i guess our future questions are gonna come from there as well well, the future com- the future questions will yeah those come from the new system, but that will again be available at podcast. Right, but for now it's be traded. For now it's at beta. Yeah. Um, so the first question from the new site comes from Angry Muffin, who asks. So I asked that question like a year and a half ago. So to alleviate confusion and add context, could you answer that question before this one? That would be great. Thanks. Mm. Um, yep. We yep. cannot. Because we've already now we're answering this one, and now we have no. Reference. And also, this did not alleviate 
any confusion. This did create a large amount of confusion. Mm-hmm. Context has not been context nor built. Context could you could say it's been destroyed. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's happening. Me yeah. either. I'm very disoriented. Is, and I feel kind of nauseous. A, I don't know <laughs> is that this is just kind of a good example of it's it's easy when you're writing a question in the context of the podcast feed. This is part of the reason for us wanting to have a churn so we clear them every four weeks or whatever. Uh, is that you'll go in there and you'll write a question, you know, because you'll you'll have just listen to the podcast or something, there'll be something on your mind about it. You'll go and you'll ask a question related to it without providing the the full context needed for somebody who wasn't right there with you listening at the same moment, thinking about the same thing. Keep in mind, uh, we forget literally anything we say. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the moment I walk out of this room, this gone. did not happen. Right. Yep. So it's possible that Angry Buffin did in fact ask another question a year and a half ago mm-hmm. that he wanted us to answer first. However, we don't know what that is. Because yeah. remember, we also don't have timestamps on those little questions. Yep. Uh, so, so who knows? Either that's either that's the case, or he knows that we don't know. He he's trolling us. Whenever, <laughs> whenever I get home on Mondays, my my wife is like, "How's the podcast today?" Because she listens to it on Wednesdays, and I'm always like, "That was good." And then she she'll say, "What did you guys talk about?" And I'll say, "I'll like squint for a little bit, and I'll maybe have like a word or two yep. vaguely about a subject." And then it gets to Wednesday, and she'll listen to it, and I'll be like, "How was? It? What did we? Talk <laughs> what about? did we talk about? How was it?" Yeah. So this is this is weird, but. But uh, so our podcast is usually processed and ready to go roughly by end of day Monday. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes when I'm driving home on my Monday commute, I will re-listen because I remember absolutely nothing about what we talked about. Like I just I just completely put it out of my mind. And even though I'm listening to it in the same freaking day that it happened, it's it's Full like surprises. a whole new experience. I was doing my weekly review yesterday, like looking back on on last week, and I completely forgot that I had built. 15 levels on Monday and Tuesday for the game. I completely forgot. That's because you trust in your processes, right? Everything's in Trello. Everything is. I mean, it was weird because I was like, because uh, you know, one of the things is, what's your top accomplishments from this week? And I was like, I don't like, remember what did anything. I do? Yeah. I don't think I did anything. And then I looked back. I was like, oh, wow. No, I did a bunch of stuff. I just can't <laughs> remember anything. It was nuts. Yep. That is pretty nuts. I get more of those fish oils going, I think, because my brain's deteriorating. I don't know. I, I don't think. I think it's if you don't have to worry about things and they're not sitting in your brain pan and then you forget them. It's I think not it's that, completely fine. It's not that you can't remember things. You don't it's need It's that to. you're just not remembering those things. That's true. You know? Because, I mean, we just memorized our studio principles. We did. Oh, I still haven't sat down to do that yet. Mm-hmm. I got to actually. You want to talk about that? <laughs> you want to talk about I that? I mean, we can if you want. Yeah. So so as part of our new ops uh, sort of thing, we're, we're coming up with some of these other ways to, I guess, kind of better embed some of our cultural stuff and our business principles into everybody in the studio. And so one of them was this idea of, well, you know, we've had these principles for a while, so let's memorize them actually so that, cause we, we try to recall the list. We couldn't actually, which yeah. is kind of silly, right? If you have principles and you can't remember what they are, they don't exist. That's kind of a fact. So, cause you're, then you're not, you're not uh, conjuring them up to yeah. use yeah. them. They're, they're otherwise, they're sort of descriptive of how we just hope we're behaving. Yes. Instead of, guide, and, instead of guidelines we use to make exactly. decisions about it. So all, everything we're trying to do this year is like actually behave the way you're intending to as opposed to you know, these vague, these vagaries. So Get on that grind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's related, but. It does. I mean, a good, <laughs> good seems, memorization is clearly a grindy task. Well, so no, actually that's the thing. Is that, so the, the best way to memorize things is to. If you have visual memory. Yeah, if you have visual memory. So this yeah. is a rough part for Adam. Um, it is a grind for Adam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm curious about this. Yeah, so uh, basically what I did was on Thursday last week, I sat down and I just made a what's called a memory palace walk for uh, memorizing the principles. And what it does is it it you you physically 
or sort of in your mind, you walk from someplace you know to some other place you know. So in our case, uh, from the parking lot in front of our building up to the studio. So let's let's cover the first like five or six principles. Okay. So so we can get a sense of what it's like to have a memory palace. Okay. Well, so so yeah, I'll just I'll just walk just walk through it. it. I'll walk, walk through. It. So uh, so you park in the parking lot, right? Uh-huh. You get out of your car and you see this guy and he's like sweating profusely, but he's grinning like a maniac. And he's like, he is mining out this huge diamond. Just out, out, of, of, the out of the parking the lot. The parking lot, there's just a huge diamond just there, you know? Because why wouldn't so he's got a big pickaxe. And he's just like going for it and he just loves the work. So that's he's just one. having a great time. Mm-hmm. Principle number one, love the work. Mm-hmm. And then you walk over to the gate to exit the parking lot and there's this big crazy deity thing standing there. Uh, it's got two arms, like almost like up like field goal posts because it's number two. Number right? two, principle number two. Uh, and you have to bow to it in order for the gate to open because it's about being humble. You have to be humble, principle yep. number two. And then uh, you walk out on the street and you immediately find some litter, right? So there's, there's like garbage. There's like some candy wrappers. There's like a shitty free-to-play mobile game. Uh-huh. Just all sorts. So you Just scoop garbage. all that up and you dump it in the trash because you're being considerate. Be considerate, principle yep. number three. Okay, and then you well, walk That's across. why there's three pieces of trash. Exactly. And yeah. you walk across the street and uh, – you open the door for Maximus Aurelius, uh-huh, from, you know, from Gladiator. From Gladiator, uh, and you, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can help him out getting into the building, uh, which is maximizing your independence, right, as a studio. Yeah, in and this then, case, you're maximizing Russell Crowe's independence. But it's all, yeah, it's all about by that. you know being considerate, mm-hmm. actually. And then, <laughs> and then you get into the building, and that first sort of opening entryway, there's five people standing on top of a huge lever. That sort of fulcrumed into yet another giant diamond that they're trying to get out. Uh, and this one's about, you know, highest leverage first. This is number five. You do the highest leverage thing first because they're trying to pry That's the why there's five people, principle exactly. five. And then you open the open the door to the front entryway and there's a huge mirror in the shape of a six. And you look at it, but you can't see yourself because you know what? It's not about you. It's not about you. That's Which a new, is that's a new one. It's a new principle that we added mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. as we were revisiting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's the kind of thing you do. Is you so there's 13 of these in total. Yeah, so you, you think through a place that you know, uh, a place that you're very familiar with or a, a common route that you uh, that you walk or travel. Mm-hmm. And you just put weird stuff You put it. very memorable weird stuff in it. That, that also embeds other information. It's like the total, like the number of things involved is somehow related usually with. Yeah, because it's, it's stupid, but like memorizing two be humble yeah. is for some reason really fucking hard, but memorizing the concept of a weird deity standing in front of a gate that you have to bow to mm-hmm. uh, in order to be humble and then be allowed through the gate, mm-hmm. that is that is very fine. That's yeah. fine for our brains to handle. It's one of my favorite quotes because I've I read a few of these memory books about how to – you just how to memorize things. And uh, one of my favorite quotes from it was that the limit is not your memory. The limit is your creativity because – Inputting things into your brain in a really creative way is what allows you to pull them out really easily. So if you're trying to rote memorize things where you're just like, well, I'm just going to go over this list. I'm just going to go over this list for the next like 45 minutes. You have a you're wasting time. your time and it sucks and it's horrible. But if like this took me 20 minutes to do. And then how I, do you handle things that are now out of sequence? So if I just say like number eight, does okay. that mean you walk through your palace real fast to get to number eight? Or because there a way you can now well, just. Well, no, no because then what happens is it's so like, for example, because there are aspects of those things that are connected to the number as well. Like I know that that number nine is take the time to go fast because I can also remember the fact <laughs> that that Sam puts his bowl of soup or curry or something mm-hmm. into the microwave and sets it for nine minutes. Yep. And then the microwave cooks it instantly. Yeah. Right. So that, that's the that's the event from yeah, so the secret. Because actually, when yeah. you said that, I remember the magic eight ball that's used in that one. Right. Right. 
So again, because so you just gotta you gotta embed all the information that you can to yeah. pull the thing yeah. out of there, which is why it takes a little bit of time, right? Yeah. But it's one of those comical things where like literally it takes. It took me. It's also way minutes. more fun than rereading flashcards. Or oh, something. Yeah. yeah. So it took me twenty minutes to do this, and then I was sort of like giggling internally about it, and I tried it the next day when I was driving into the office, just sort of mentally ran through it, got through it just fine, and then I told everybody about it, and then I walked the team through it. And, and we all had it memorized also. Everyone was giggling. Yeah. And then the next day, so I guess at the end of the jam on Saturday, I was like, all right, before I leave, I was like, sure, what are the principles? And he just like, boom, just went through <laughs> all of them. just listed it out. Yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Because it turns out, yeah, you got you got to understand the constraints of the system that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's that the human brain evolved as a storyteller, yeah. not as a computer. Not as an information processor. Yeah. So use stories to memorize things. Makes sense. More fun works better. Yeah. yeah. Though I think I think we'd be remiss if we don't play out the last scene of the. Yeah. Of the so the last, the last scene, the last principle, principle thirteen. Uh-huh. Uh, you walk up the steps uh-huh. to in the hallway or in the uh, stairwell, and you open the door. You step out, and Steven Seagal snaps your neck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually just sort of chiropractically aligns your spine. Yeah. Which is perfect. Because Thanks, you Steven. need to align yourself. Yep. Principle 13. Yep. So, so again, you just make up ridiculous In this shit. case, though, you're not aligning yourself. Steven Seagal is aligning you. But, you know. Hey, maybe you, know, you pay for it. Tomato, you know, tomato. tomato, tomato, tomato. Yeah. Well, but again, it's all about the – it's it's about the metaphorical understanding. You know, yes. you, you get enough information that you can, you can retrieve the actual exact thing. Yeah. Uh, it's easier to reconstruct a story – or sorry, to, to reconstruct a fact out of a story than it is – No, but first he has to way. say this is your unlucky day because it's number 13. This is your unlucky day. <laughs> <laughs> but then he aligns your spine. Yeah. And it turns out it's fine. He's <laughs> a great chiropractor. Yes. Yeah. Little known fact. So I don't know how we landed there. But anyway, next question mm-hmm. uh, comes from Net- Retro Banana Man NL. Wait, Yo- is this from the new podcast page or the old podcast? This is page? from the old one. Okay. So this is going to be the last round of questions from the old podcast. The page. old cast. Yeah. yeah. So migrate your questions over. Ask some new ones. Yeah. Retro Banana Man NL says, you always say game jams are uh, the way to go to get ideas and practice game making. You also say you need to take the time to reflect after a game jam. How do you do that? Do you write it down, work more on the project or any other way? And how much time should you set out uh, between jams to reflect? Love Hmm. the podcast. Uh, We usually do – I mean right afterward. We usually just talk about it. We usually spend the day, Mm -hmm. like the next whole day. Yeah. If Um, there's – and you know, you'll say – there's not really a list, I guess. It's not really a codified process, but it's just, you know, what what did you see that, that worked well this weekend? What was – like because usually we discover some new piece of tech or some new process improvement or whatever New else. ideas that we might want to pursue. Yeah, and so it's, it's about, oh, how can we how can we bring that into whatever this big project is? Or how can we use this little idea for a piece of tech you had? Does that apply? You know, does that apply to this other yep. system we're using? Or, or, or even like – approach that you started testing out and mm-hmm. – and- Asking about how that went, and you know, it's it's more it's really more about kind of exploring what happened, trying to kind of recap. Yeah. Well, you want to say like, ask like, how do we how do we milk this yeah, for yeah. all it's worth? What went well, and then how do we sort of turn that, as, on yeah, that turn that into something we can do well again and do yeah. more of? Mm-hmm. And also, what went badly, and then why? And are there other systems we can make uh, to keep that kind of thing from happening in a bigger way mm-hmm. in bigger projects? Yeah. Right. Um, and also a big part of it is going back through the code and looking through uh, like new tools and new functions that we created and migrating them into new projects. My, my approach for that actually has been uh, whenever I, we're doing a game jam, I always make a folder that's just called convenience. Mm. And anytime I come up with something that's like a really nice tool or a convenience function or whatever, 
because the the project hierarchy, the like the actual structure of the project doesn't fucking matter in a jam. Right. Like I don't I don't care where scripts are going, mm-hmm. you know, because I this project only needs to live for just a minute, right? Um, so then at the end, I go through that entire list and then I I clean up those oh, scripts, nice. I document them, and then I migrate them into the. So you're actually building that as you go, as opposed to retroactively. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. So that way, I don't need to remake the decisions and go through the entire code base later. Yeah. You know, um, so that's you know that's a, a good way to do it. I yeah, think. I think knowing knowing what is happening when you go into it is really helpful because that that whole approach of also just letting it be chaos only works if you are definitely not going to try to convert that same project into some ongoing project yes if you're but if your goal of a game in a particular game jam is to create the seed of some project that you want to do and you don't want to have to redo it when you leave the jam then you, you will don't to, get to do that you, you will need to yeah clean you'll, it you'll up. need to have structural you need to have you need to, you need to actually slow take the time to go fast as as we say right so just uh you'll end up with maybe less product at the end of it a smaller feature set um, but it'll be something that you can now iterate on and work on um into the future instead of just being generally disappointed about how stuck it is yeah, yeah. so all right, next question. We actually have uh, two questions paired together. Oh, geez. Coffee Chemist says, so the UK has the first game dev union. I'm very curious about what the Beescotch Bros think of it. And uh, Woland77 asks, game developers should probably unionize. Unions are great, but you are all indies. What do you think? Would unionization in the AAA dev world impact indie developers? Do you see any benefits or complications coming your way? If that were to happen. Mm. So well, let's talk about the reason why this is happening. First. Crunch. Crunch. DevOps. Uh, DevOps well, crunch and low pay. Yeah. So coupled together. Yeah. So it's a combination of uh, in a lot of AAA scenarios, developers are required essentially to crunch. And what that means. So we, so we do game jams, right? And the interesting thing about a jam is a jam is essentially crunch over a weekend, right? Yeah. But it's, it's, two, it's two days long. Two days you're working the whole time. Um, but you opt into it, and it's also fun. And we still only work like fun. ten or twelve hour days. It's not yes, because the extended crunch you hear about in in the industry is not only extended, but it's also like twelve to sixteen. It's hour the days. whole day. Yeah, it's the all. It's day. the whole waking day, and uh, and it's pretty heinous in terms of like I mean the, the overall effects on your dev team is obviously really bad. Uh, the total amount of work output you get is obviously very bad. Like the, it doesn't do anything, but it looks real good from a publisher standpoint, if you're like, well, we got our whole team crunching back home. So, you know, like they're working really hard on it. It's, it's this weird, uh, it's like a pride sp- point. It's almost. a pride point. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, we're working so hard on this. Like our, my, our guys are literally passing out at their keyboards. Yeah. So we're not, we might not be working smart, but mm-hmm. I'll be doing a good job. But and you also, hard. you also hear about people, uh, <laughs> selling their houses or, or, or moving to new apartments that are adjacent right. to the studio so that they, because otherwise, otherwise, like they, if if their commute is like fifteen minutes long, then that's not acceptable. Because they Although are cutting the, into the crunch. A lot time. of these are in places where your commute's going to be like an hour yeah, because an hour it's too expensive to live in the city. You're not being paid very well, and you know the whole right. whole thing. And so, I mean, I think the whole blood, thing is sweat and pixels. The book has yeah, some, they go into it. They have a, a number of crunch stories. Yeah, they go into yeah. quite a bit, and so it, and it's still very pervasive. Like as much as people say it's been getting better and stuff, it still is very bad. Uh, I think generally in the industry, and so and you still hear like every probably every month or two, there's some crazy story about, you know, this team was crunched for six months straight or whatever else. And then everybody got fired after and the game. Everybody laid up, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, Great there's, payoff. there's definitely some really uh, just kind of fucked up. Yeah. There's pay problems. There's job pay security problems. problems. There's crunch problems. There's just like all the kinds of problems that you would think of that sort of require a, a unionization represent, representation to right. deal with um, are very present. Yeah. Well, and then, yeah. And then also rampant sexism, 
mm-hmm. rampant. Every kind of uh, every basically every kind of hatred you could have is is very still just there, very yeah. prevalent. So I think uh, there there is very much a need for it. You know, as I think Woolen put it pointed out, um, for the developers to actually have some power in terms of determining what those basic level of benefits are and that sort of thing for themselves as well as various protections. Because I think that's that's the upsetting thing about it is that you have to. You have to, as a group, opt into being a big group in order to get protection from the people who are employing you, which is just kind of a weird reality of, of kind of, I guess, how yep. capitalism tends, I, I, tends yeah. to drift. You know, I think there's there's actually there's there's two unfortunate sides of this. Mm-hmm. You know, one is is that that I, I do think that these kinds of things are are necessary in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and this unions, is, I, I unions, yeah. yeah. And this is one of those cases. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are paid at half of, like, if you're a programmer in, in games, you're paid like half of what you would be paid as a programmer in pretty much any other industry, which could be fine if you weren't also. Crunched right. to work. Right. If you if you want to do straight. the math, if yeah. you're paid half as much and work twice as much, you are yeah. at a seventy five percent deficit here. Mm-hmm. Right. You're only you're only getting like a quarter of what you should be. Yeah. Um. And that's that's bad. That's a real bad yeah. thing. And obviously, and I, and I think because of the fact that you know people are people are willing to do it, and it creates this kind of like one one upmanship culture mm-hmm. where it's like. You don't want to be the person when, when everybody's crunching. You don't yeah, want to be the person to, to clock out at five o'clock every day and, and go to the gym and eat a good meal and get a good night's sleep mm-hmm. and be healthy. See your family. See your family and stuff <laughs> um, because you're not making the sacrifice that everybody else is making and you're, you're going to be fired. Yeah. You know, um, so I think having the union, having those kinds of things would push companies to actually think about how to utilize their human resources. Mm-hmm. Uh in a more humane and effective kind of a way via things like working on their DevOps pipelines mm-hmm. to try to ensure that the work is done in a more uh, efficient and effective way. So people don't have to work a hundred hour weeks and stuff like that. I think that's all good. I think the downside is that, that and I think that's important and necessary. Now the, the downside yeah. of these kinds of things is the problem. That at some point unions aren't at, needed anymore. At some point the problem, problem yeah, because any organization that exists to solve a problem Will eventually become the thing that that uh, extends the problem, because if an organization is founded for that purpose, then if the problem is solved, then the organization doesn't need to exist anymore, right? Yeah. right? But it will continue to because yeah. that's how things work. So, so a lot of times, what you'll see is some of these organizations that have that have met their goal. They will they will persist forever. And they'll, oh, yeah. they'll oftentimes start lobbying against things that would actually improve conditions yeah. um, because if people don't need, for example, to be in the union to still get all these benefits and stuff like that, then the union doesn't get any dues. And then yeah, well, and all of a sudden the organization collapses. mandatory. Right? And yeah. So well, as part of it too, it's like for a union to work, it has to like everybody has to be in it, right? Mm-hmm. So then it becomes a, a, a non-optional Then you got to force people to join yep. and then that's and the And then problem. if you don't agree with what the union is doing when it's representing you at some point, because like at the beginning, of course, like things are so shitty at the beginning that like anything the union does is going to be better yeah. than where you are, right? Mm-hmm. But at some point, it's going to be moving like sideways probably uh, or even doing things that you disagree with or acting actually against your best interest because they – making it hard or weird. Yeah, yeah. Or, or because because at some point – because you know unions increase – Costs of all kinds of stuff, and and for mostly for good reasons because they make people get paid better, yes, right? Uh, but it also decreases the number of people who get employed. It makes it makes it adds a barrier to entry into the industry now because mm-hmm. now you have to go through a union to do it. Um, and so it actually inc- it increases a lot of complexity and 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 makes life more difficult for for a lot people, people for a lot of people yeah. in a lot of different ways, and it makes life more difficult for companies because now they have to manage you know mm-hmm. union. Um, it will make stuff. it it will make it harder to start a game dev 
company. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of tricky stuff that comes along yeah. with it. So, so I'm, like, I mean, if I'm, you're already in the industry and you're already one of those people crunching and all that shit, yeah, that's gonna great. It's gonna be great oh, for you yeah. if you are already fine and you're already playing by the rules and whatever, and it's, you're being ethical. It's just gonna be a hit. it's just gonna right. be a big problem. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like I'm not worried about it in terms of like, what does it mean for changes for for us. Uh, I don't think it means much. I think I'm very excited for people to not have to be uh, you know crunched for six to twelve months at a time. Um, but I do, I do recall. So as far as speaking to the kind of the, the interesting thing that happens usually in, in later in the, in the later life. life of a union, uh, I remember we had we did a film festival weekend thing. What are those called? A forty eight hour film festival. There you go. Yeah. It's a film jam, basically. Uh, a couple of years ago, and one of the people who happened to be on our team, we were all just like randomly met up at this thing, randomly picked people. Uh, happened to be actually a gilded actress with the SAG Actors Guild, Screen Actors, Screen Actors Guild. Actors yeah. Guild. Yep, and. We almost couldn't. So, we, and she didn't reveal this until we were almost done with the project. It was one of those like, "Oh, is this going to be a problem?" kind of thing. And we yes. look it up, and it turns out, yes, it's a huge problem. And so, <laughs> so she was just doing this for fun, yeah. Not as not, but because she was acting in a film, yeah. even if it was an amateur then, thing on the weekend. Then our yeah. team during that forty-eight hours, on top of building and editing the entire film, had to uh, like talk to. I think. I could do some happened? representatives, yeah, like a, a bunch of back a bunch and forth, a bunch of papers and stuff saying that this was like, okay, that, you know, this is all fine and stuff, which again, good on the protection side. Now like, imagine doing that in a game jam. Yeah. yeah. You know, the first, the first uh, six hours of the jam is talking about union, union shit. shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so again, there's, yeah. there's these weird things there, but I think there was, I know, uh, I think it's the Matomi Park who made a uh, slime rancher. The guy was talking about this recently about the union's idea. Um, and he, like most people, was super into it. And he just said, you know, what all they're doing as far as how they do their benefits and things like that is they're just – they just try to do really well. And then if there's anything that the, that the union probably would offer or like require that they don't offer, then they see that as for themselves as something that they're lacking in and then they just beef it up. So his whole point was that it actually should change absolutely nothing from a business it standpoint. Should. It should change absolutely nothing if you're doing your stuff right. And I believe we were – when we were at PAX, we were also talking with, with people about um, – stuff like getting their booths set up and stuff mm -hmm. and in a lot of yeah. cases the uh the the people who organize it's, the conference are the people who are who are employed to like, construct to construct and help set up set up the conference in the booths they're unionized mm -hmm. and, yeah that's true at every major convention right yeah. and they'll and they'll put in all kinds of rules like you're actually and this this is what was reported to us by the people yeah. who were setting up their booths yeah. is that even if you've got like a box or something that you want to set up in your own booth, you cannot personally physically bring it into the building. Right. Uh, you need to pay a, a unionized worker to mm -hmm. do that, even if you're perfectly capable of it and you're already going into the building mm -hmm. anyways. Yep. Um, and if you try to go around those rules, then there's a big problem. That, yeah. yeah. So, but it also costs a shitload of money. Yeah, for, so for them to move lot. a box like you know, 40 yards or something, it yeah. would cost you a tremendous amount of money. Yeah. And so this is one of those, like, this is now a problem created by yeah. the fact that this union is now sort of like strong arming its way into trying to squeeze mm -hmm. money out of every scenario, well, um, it's, which it's, is not good. Yeah. I mean, conventions are already very expensive, but a huge reason for that is the enormous cost of the labor involved. Right. Right. Again, like, I, people should be getting their fair share. Definitely. Like, yeah. I, I have nothing against people getting paid well for doing, yep. for doing hard labor. Um, but I do have a problem with, with not, being allowed to do things. That's, yeah. That's if you're like, if you're like, me. I brought a box to this convention, I'm carrying it right now. As soon as I enter the premises, I'm no longer allowed to continue just holding this freaking box. <laughs> but <laughs> and now I, I got to pay somebody. But I'm crap sure it's because one of those things where at some point the union didn't have that rule in place and people just hired a bunch of like temp people yeah. for like 
seven bucks an hour. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll box That's why I can't have nice things. Yeah. So know? you get, I think this is the shitty thing about it is it's like it ends up becoming this arms race. And the reality yeah. is that and then just, there's a lot of waste yeah. created. So, so yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's easy to just point the finger at a union and be like, they're being bad. And it's like, no, everybody's, everybody's being bad. Being bad. Everybody's yeah. being a dick. And now we got to have all these stupid rules. Yeah. So, you know? so I'm excited for it, but also there's going to be weird stuff that they're yeah. weird externalities. It's just like, there, there's nothing you get to do. That's only a win. Yeah. You know, but, but I do think this, that, that uh, unionization in, in general is always a net win. Yeah. Um, certainly at the beginning, I think later, I think later on, even still, mm-hmm. even though it has, I think it creates a lot of, of, of waste, as you said, um, at some point, once it becomes really, but at least you got somebody in your corner. Yeah. But, but the thing is like, it's, it generates waste at the, at the, so the cost is a lot of waste generated and a lot of headache, but the benefit is, is protection of people who otherwise might not be able to be protected. So, so I do think it's a net win in general, though. Those, the stories can be very frustrating sometimes. Yeah. Yep. Certainly. There's always externalities. So, all right, let's do one uh, quick final question, which also comes from Angry Muffin. Mm. Angry Muffin says, in episode 137, you talked about having a Blizzard subscription instead of a WoW subscription, and that that would be okay, and maybe even feel less like buying a product. You hinted that this may be the future of Rumpus. This was a year ago. Maybe this is the question he's referring to. Uh, Oh, maybe. Uh, Can this possibly be so? I would gladly subscribe to the Butterscotch League instead of or in addition to buying your games. But is this something that would be widely accepted or cripplingly rejected? I think in the end, the short answer is it doesn't actually matter because we just can't. That's true. Yep. Because, because of cross-platform nature. Yeah, because of yeah. cross-platform. Yeah, it, so. it would work for something like Blizzard only on PC. PC. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't You wouldn't be able to – well, Maybe. But, I mean a company like Blizzard could swing it. I'll just say that. Yeah. Like they, they could set up you know, a subscription for something on desktop and then somehow that would also apply to – you know, Xbox or something like that. Well, they that. could swing it technically, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be allowed to do it on the platform. Yeah. Like we know PlayStation would let them do it. Definitely. We know That's Apple true. wouldn't let them do it. Definitely. Uh, well, Xbox, it, it is a, well, no, it is allowed. It is allowed in a lot of cases. So for example, like if I want to subscribe to HBO, HBO yeah. Go or whatever, uh, I can do it directly through the HBO website and it gives me an account and I'm subscribed there. No problem. Mm-hmm. I can download the app on my phone and I still subscribed mm-hmm. or I can get the app on my phone subscribe through that and now I'm subscribed through Google and so right. Google's taking the 30% cut wasn't there some company that increased its costs on mobile to account for the 30% cut of the store I don't know that's a bold move I'm though. pretty sure I'm pretty sure <laughs> one of the, there was like a big fight with Apple I think for a while because they were doing because it's that. not parody or whatever yeah yeah uh, but yeah uh, so the model already exists or or even just the case that like I could have an Android phone and an, and an iPhone and then I could subscribe to HBO or Netflix even, right, yeah, through I mean, my phone and then go to the other phone and still be subscribed. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think it's certainly possible for that to be a thing. I think this year and next year is going to be really interesting because there's, you know, all these, like, everyone's trying to do the streaming thing and it's coming off in, like, a, very, a variety of interesting ways. There's a bunch of subscription models, too, that are not streaming related, but are subscription models for, like, huge chunks of games. Well, you got, like, Discord Nitro, for example. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. You get, there's a lot of this stuff that's kind of happening. Yeah, um, Origin. But I don't, yeah, yeah, Origin. But I don't know, you just never know. I don't know. Is it going to work? Do people care? Well, there's a question too of the the kind of product. Yes. Um, so we we had talked in the past about Discord Nitro feeling kind of weird, mm-hmm. where where Netflix or like other streaming uh, or subscription services where you're watching videos, it's easy to pop in and just watch for. Yeah, it's very minutes. passive, yeah. you know, and so you just you hop in there, you watch some stuff, you're like, yeah, no problem, and you and it, you it's fine. And actually, like the subscription model for watching things has historically been the case forever because of cable TV and things like that, right? 
It's very common, very widely accepted. A game is a is a is a low involvement purchase, but a high involvement product. Yeah, in the sense that you got to learn it. Yeah, when you people when people it. buy a game, they actually don't they don't make that decision with very much thought. Mm-hmm. It's often like, is, does it have a good review score? Did the screenshots look fine? Did I see a YouTuber play it and have fun? Yeah, um, and and it doesn't really take a lot of investigation before somebody decides whether or not they're going to buy a game, right? It's not like a car mm-hmm. where you're like doing all kinds of research and test drives and other shit, right? Um, so, but once you have the game, you got to get in there. You get to learn it. Well, I think this is an interesting You can thing lose. I'm it, sure some, just, of our, some of our people have experienced this too before. Like if you get a new game, you can be excited about it, but also not want to play it. Maybe you yeah. know, on the nights that you have to play it because you have to learn. There's a hurdle. There's a huge hurdle. You wanna, yeah, you got to give yourself a couple hours. Yeah, to the first of, like two or three hours of a of like a really good game tends to be kind of befuddling and confusing. While you're kind of like you know wading through the systems and figuring out how the health thing works before you can really enter into that flow state and have a really good time. So there, there is that question of like if you with Discord Nitro, for example, you get like these twenty plus games or whatever else that you can just go play right now. Um, there's always a question of what well, feels well, like do you? feels like there's too much. Yeah. Right? And, and there are a number of games in discord nitro that I have actually kind of had in the back of my mind for a long time where I'm like, Oh, I'd love to play yeah. it. I'd love yeah. to play whatever. Uh, and then now I've got it. Yeah. I've still played no games on my discord nitro. Yeah. Zero. And you've got them. I've got, you've got a thousand games them. on there. You know, that, yeah. that's more, you got more games on there than you have in your steam library. Are there a thousand nitro games? I think so. The subscription 6,000? I don't know. I think it's way less. Yeah. There's just like a couple dozen, I think. <laughs> oh, no. Sure. Are you sure? Sure. sure? Total okay. games versus Nitro games. Because they have there's – a, there's a store that's right. got a few hundred games on it. Yeah. And then there's the Nitro. Yeah. I mean, even, even if it's 50 games, that's a fuckload of It's still a games, lot. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, and the idea that, that in, in that mix is games that you have had on your Steam wish list maybe even. Yep. Like mm-hmm. games that you're, you've been excited about in the past. And you now just have the free opportunity to play them. Uh, but it just feels like the cost of getting in there is so high. Yeah, I think it turns out that the cost wasn't really the money all along. That's it was really the time. It, it was yep. the time. Yeah, the and by and there's something that that's, that suddenly just gets revealed. Actually, I think because the problem is that now when there's also cost involved, well, it's, then, it's time and effort. Like it's not, it's not like yeah, yeah. Netflix where it's just time. Right. It's time and effort. But yeah. but yeah, when it when it comes to actually buying the thing, then now you only the only things you can play are the things that you've bought. Right, which restricts your library enormously to the number of things you can play. And then when you're out in the world, they're trying to choose what game you can you can get. It's actually easier to buy the game than it is to get over the hurdle to play it. Right, True. which means yes. now when you're trying to decide what you want, and you're trying to you're looking at all the different choices and so on. I think the decision is much much easier when you're deciding what do I buy right now than it yeah. is to ask what do I play right now. Yeah. The it, nice it, thing is if you ask first what do I buy right now and then buy it, you're now adding that to your library. It's obvious that that's the thing you should be playing next. But even if you don't your library is much, much smaller than the whole catalog, right? Well, one thing we know is that actually a large proportion of, of games that are purchased on Steam are never played. Yes, that's true of a lot of my library. Yeah, like people will be like, oh yeah, I want to play this. And then they'll buy it because they got excited about it. And then they kind of check the time and they're like, oh, actually, no, I've only got like a half hour and then I got to go to bed. Yeah, so. And then like maybe two months go by and you still quite haven't gotten around to it. And then some other game comes out and you're like, oh, I want that yeah. one. Yeah, and, the and then pretty soon this thing is like eight deep in your mm-hmm. library. This is actually why I don't buy things on sale anymore because I realize the only reason I buy those things is because they're on sale. Because again, the decision to buy is very, very easy. Mm. But then I almost never play those because if I buy a game because I want to play it right now, if I actually make that decision first and then buy the game, that's the only that's the only chance in hell that I'm actually going to play a game. Yeah. 
So that, that's that's an interesting question because there's there's companies like you said, Sam, doing subscriptions. There's companies trying oh, yeah, there's to do tons streaming. Of them popping up now, um, and we we get solicitations from a, a new like subscription or streaming company yeah. like on a weekly basis now, and it's it seems to be something that on the supply side people are pushing. Yes. Uh, on the demand side, I still feel like it's actually a not a not a good customer experience. Well, I mean, maybe, but I think there's there's that really weird question though, which is that. Uh, but free always sounds like yes. a good customer experience. Yeah. So I, I don't necessarily know that it, that it, that it will fail in the market. In fact, I but my guess would be it's probably, probably going to succeed. Probably going to succeed in the market, yeah. but um, it's just going to be very. Yeah, I don't know. It's just going to be an odd thing. It's going to be it's going to be one of those things where like now we all have our our mindless cues of of games of infinite games that we can just go play at any moment and it'll just devalue the whole gaming experience and actually make it harder to play games not because because you always the thing is like it's already like think about getting on on your phone right now you can on your this is already like your phone is already a subscription game device in the sense that you have you buy a phone games. right and now you have infinite free <laughs> you games. pay for your mobile uh you pay uh, your mobile subscription monthly right? bill so we already have that and how many of those fucking games do you want to play yeah basically zero that's them, true right? actually yeah. yeah um I, yeah, I think I think it's it turns them into commodities. Yeah, they're just interchangeable. It's just all the same. You got a thousand of them. Uh, they're just widgets, you know. Yeah. As opposed to like deep, engaging experiences that you want to. And also, and, and I think there's that that opportunity cost feeling of if you like you said, Adam, you buy a game. That's the that's the new game that you have. Mm-hmm. So so it feels like by committing to playing that, you're not really giving up much else because you only have the one new game. Yeah. You don't have like two new games to play, right. which is also why when you buy a bundle, it feels weird because now you've got like 50 new Steam keys or something. And maybe you bought that bundle for like one or two games in there. Yep. But even and if it was one or two dollars. Yeah. And even if it was two games that you bought the bundle for, uh, you may not play either because by playing one of them, you're committing to not playing mm-hmm. the other one right now. And that kind of feels bad. I think I've yeah. <laughs> total and with all the different humble bundles I bought, which I don't buy anymore, but I've Easily added a hundred games to my Steam library with all the humble. Yeah, as have I. I, I. I swear I have not played any of them. I actually I saw. I'm pretty sure I have played none of those games. <laughs> I saw Super Hot in my Steam library, and I don't know how I got it. <laughs> I was like, I've been wanting to play this forever, and then you know what I did? Didn't I play. Didn't it. play. It. <laughs> And it was already installed. Like I had, I had at some point gotten it via a bundle or something. Someone got it prepped. And I had prepped it. And so now all I had to do was hit play. All I had to do was hit play, just like a Discord Nitro situation or whatever. Uh-huh. And then I was just like, no. Although I think if I saw it super hot, just like ready to go in my library, I probably would play it. Because the barrier Maybe. to enter for that one seems so low. That's true. That's just shouldn't be. And the payoff, seems, yeah, the <laughs> payoff true. seems real high. That's true. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's one of the few that I think for me I would step right over that that hurdle. But yeah, but it is the case. Like my Steam library has three hundred and twenty or whatever games in it. And uh, every time I sit down, I think maybe I want to play games tonight. You know, games, just games. That's the problem. Is I sit down and I'm like, look at all these. I don't yeah, want to play fuck, yeah. any of these. Yeah. Which is why I, I love I love getting into a. You know, I have a, a few of my go-to games, you know, like I'll play EVE Online or Rocket League or Kerbal Space Program or now Slay the Spire or mm-hmm. something. Um, and those games are so good and so deep that I could come back to them, you know, after six months and play for 200 hours and get a very fulfilling experience, you mm-hmm. know. And what I also know is that by playing Super Hot or going onto Discord Nitro or any other subscription service or opening my phone and picking one of the billion free games, um, I'm giving up time. Yeah, in those games, you're gambling. Yeah. You're doing exploration, basically. Yeah, and it's Which always it's always risky. It's always costly. So even if it's quote free, right? Well, I'm curious what our 
listenership has to say about these ideas of, of subscription models for games. Um, because, of course, we're just three people and we also make the games. So I'm curious. We've got some biases. And we also grew up at a time yeah, when we, we had to spend $60 of our hard-earned you know, mowing the lawn money mm-hmm. once every several months when we would take a trip to Des Moines Comp you know, USA. an hour away to go to Comp USA mm-hmm. to look at the 10 PC games on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And I don't think one. I don't think that informs us as much as just general human psychology. It may not. That's what I'm wondering. Well, no, because so in that in that uh, paradox of choice, they talked about that the the jam sampling mm-hmm. experiment. Did you hear yeah. about this? It was like. There was a – they would set up a booth in front of a grocery store and they would have either like 20-something flavors of jam and you could you could sample any of them and then if you wanted to buy one, then you could buy one, right? And they all cost the same. Um, and then they also had six flavors of jam in a separate setup. And what they found was that people were dramatically more likely to buy, uh, buy, a, buy a jar or multiple jars mm-hmm. well, when there six. were only six. And it'd probably be even more likely if there were only two. Yeah. Probably. And there, I think and if there's only one, like now you don't have a choice. And so that feels Somebody's bad. like, do you want this jam? And you're like, I don't know. No. Let me, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and this is the same thing you see like people go into an ice cream store and like, can I sample this? Can I sample that? Can I sample this? You mm-hmm. know, whatever. Yeah. Granted, they always buy the ice cream because it's ice cream. Um, yeah. Who's going to not buy ice cream? Yeah. Plus you've now sampled it and you feel bad if yep. you don't. You owe yeah. 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 And so, so I, I think, you know, there is there is that layer of it, which is – which is that the more options you have, the more expensive it feels to pick one yeah. because now you're giving up every other possible mm-hmm. option. And that's kind of what a subscription service does. Is it gives you a fuckload of options that you now all yeah. have access to. So, so I'm curious about that either, either in the Discord or in the – which is at discord.gg slash or via email. Let us know what you think about these things because they're, they're, it's going to happen this year. It's definitely happening this year as like a big thing people are always talking about. So, or over the next couple of years yeah, as these so things take It's going to be the next wave of stuff I think that people are going to be into. So, But is it good? Is it good? I don't know. I don't know. Do Tell us. We'll find out. Uh, all right. So that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. If you would like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to beta.bscotch.net Also, we should rephrase that instead of if you would like to. Just fucking do it. Just do it. It's 20 grind team. 20 grind team. Get in there. Yeah. yeah. Get uh, Quit being near the saddle and be, be, on, it. be on it. Yeah. I think that's the saying. Mm-hmm. Or just take the saddle off and just just just, just, just jump on you it. To horse. Just not be all natural. Uh-huh. Break in that wild stallion. Also, you you know? Know? <laughs> also your hips. Yeah. Yeah. Also break your hips. Break You're breaking your, yourself in more than that stallion. I think yeah. That break sure. a hip. That's what they say in the theater world. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. So instead of just pampering you with a billion links, you know, we've got merch. We've got all this other stuff. It's all going to be there over at beta.bscotch.net. Click on the podcast button. You're yep. good to go. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.